you ready for the word today? I like what Pastor Josue said in the beginning where he said, the table's been set, now let's go ahead and feast on God's word. I love that. That's the way it should be. Have you ever been to a chiropractor? Raise your hand if you've been to a chiropractor. Some chiropractors, they have these little tapping things and they tap things back into alignment and then others just get right in there and they just right like that, right? You just think you are trusting this person, especially when they put your head in their hand and they like kind of get it loose and then they just snap that thing. And you're like, I am trusting you with my life right now because one wrong move, you know? My kids were wanting to go to a chiropractor a couple months ago and I was like, hey, I can do it for you. I, I, I've been to a chiropractor. I can watch a YouTube video on it. And they're like, dad, no, you're not gonna be my chiropractor. But the reason I say that is this, when something in our body is out of alignment, it causes undue pressure on other parts of your body. It causes discomfort and pain, it slows you down, and it's needless if we would just put things back into alignment. Are you understanding that? And so today, I wanna talk to you about a specific topic that I really believe needs to come back to the body of Christ. Not just here at Calvary, but I believe it's a global issue or concern that God needs to just realign us. And in realigning us, we're gonna find pressure coming off other parts of the body. You can also look at it and illustrate it when you go up to a vending machine and there's a sign that says something's out of order. If it's out of order, it means what? It doesn't work. You can't make it work when it's out of order. And so just like be, being put back into alignment, just like being put back into order, things begin to work and function the way they're supposed to. Do you believe that God orders the steps of the righteous? Raise your hand. Which means that the message I'm going to bring to you today, you were meant to hear. If you brought a guest with you today, you were meant to hear it and your guest was meant to hear it. If you've ever been under prophetic ministry before, where a prophetic team or a prophet of the Lord begins to speak or minister to you prophetically under the influence of the Holy Spirit, basically is what that means. One of the biggest challenges you face, especially if you're one of the ones sharing that, you're, you're delivering that prophetic word, is people come to church and they come to a prophetic ministry moment and they have assumptions of what they want to hear from God. And so many times when God begins to minister prophetically, he ministers the thing they need to hear, not necessarily the thing they came to hear. Are you understanding that? And if you trust that the Lord's ordering your steps, then I would trust that what we're about to talk about today is exactly the thing that you were destined to hear. Are you understanding me? We are speaking in a series called The Blessed Life. God desires your family to be blessed. He desires your businesses to be blessed. He desires your relationships and the impact of your life to be blessed. God desires shalom, peace, wholeness, blessing in all areas of your life. If that sounds good to you, give God a good praise. Amen. And I believe what we're about to talk about today is one of those pieces to the puzzle that helps us receive the blessing that God is trying to impart into our lives. And too many times as pastors, we avoid certain topics or certain issues because we want to preach things that people are excited to hear about. But sometimes being your shepherd, being your pastor, is about teaching things that we may not have taught ourselves, that we may not have been so much coming to hear about, but you need to hear. And today I'm here to teach about tithing. I believe in the body of Christ, there's two things that pastors unfortunately are avoiding and we need to come back to it and celebrate it and understand it. One is tongues. I believe in speaking in languages the Holy Spirit gives us. But too many churches have stopped preaching about that and they're removing a great powerful weapon from the body of Christ because they're afraid to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. And in doing so, they're causing undue pressure on other parts of people's spiritual life because they've removed that spiritual gift from being taught. And my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Are you following me, church? In the same way, Pastors too many times avoid the conversation about the tithe because fear of reaction. Here's one of my thoughts on that. The fact that there is a negative reaction when we talk about tithes and offerings shows something's out of order in the church. 
Do you understand what I just said? And we want it all to work, but we want it to work without certain pieces of obedience and certain pieces of faith being expressed. We want all the blessing, but we don't want to do the things that God has structured for us to do for our own good. Because how many of you know that God doesn't tell us to do something for our harm, he commands things for our good. Amen. Including our tithes and our offerings. God not only receives our worship from our words and he not only receives our talents and our gifts back, but throughout the scripture, he's always set aside a portion that was his. He's always set aside the first and the best and he says, that belongs to me. And so today you might think, oh my goodness, I've come to church and he's going to start talking about the tithe. How can I go to the bathroom, pretend like I'm going to the bathroom and leave? I am here to encourage you today that this may be the most important thing you hear this week. And that in hearing it, you might make a quality decision to start operating in it. And in doing that, it opens up a whole avenue of things that you've always wanted to begin to come to, ha to pass in your life. And God's able to bring that to pass. Here's what I'm going to promise you. I am not going to chase you down for your tithe. I'm not going to show up at your house and I don't have any, you know, friends that are gonna show up at your house. Have you tithed? And the truth is you're welcome to come here and never tithe. All are welcome to come to church, amen? And we're not gonna make you feel guilty, but it is my responsibility to, ch to share the truth that God has given me to share with you and for you to make a quality decision. Here's what I would like to see though, when it comes for tithes and offerings in church that more than three or four people get excited about that. I don't like that. I don't like it that when we say, hey, it's time for the offering, you get like, yay. Or if we say, hey, it's time to pray for the sick and believe God for miracles, we're like, yes. It's time to pray God's blessing upon your life, yes. It's time to obey the Lord and tithe and offering. Cricket, cricket, <laughs> cricket. There are things that God has commanded us to do for our benefit. God doesn't need our money. He's not running out of money. Amen? And there's undue pressure in the body of Christ to do and accomplish the things that God's called it to do and accomplish because people have a lack of knowledge in the area of tithes and offerings. You can make your own decision. I am not going to sit here and force anyone to make a decision on this, but I am going to present a case. I am going to present what I believe to be truth from the Word of God. And then you go pray about it and you go see what God would ask you to do. Are you understanding? And you may say, but I don't think that's what I need to hear today. But God ordered your steps to be here. And what if this is the one piece, this beginning of obedience, this beginning of a faith being expressed, this beginning of honor with the fruit of your labor, that God is saying, if you'll do this piece, it's actually going to put all those other pieces into place. Things will begin to fall into place. And so though you may not have thought it to be a priority, God thought it a priority to bring you here, to hear something about this today, to help you. Because I believe every time you come to church, you should be helped to become better and become all that God's called you to be. Can you just give God praise for his goodness and his wisdom? Amen. Like I said, I would love to have our church be a place when it's time for the offering that we get so excited about that. You can go through the whole Bible and you can see that one of the purposes for the tabernacle, one of the purposes for the temple, one of the purposes when they gather was to bring their offerings. It wasn't just to sing. It wasn't just to hear messages or be taught by the apostles. It was also to bring forth, to bring what they've produced in an offering to present to the Lord. That's one of the reasons we gather. It's part of our congregating. Part of our coming together is to receive those offerings, those tithes. But that hostility, that lack of knowledge, I really believe if you have a hostility in your heart towards the word tithe or towards the offerings, it's a lack of knowledge. You may have had a bad experience from a different church or a different pastor, maybe they abused it. But just because somebody does something wrong doesn't make it wrong from the scripture. And sometimes we have to just trust God. And besides, you're not tithing to an individual anyways. You were, that tithe you gave, you gave to the Lord. And the blessing is still connected to it. Even if that church or that pastor did something wrong, you didn't tithe to the pastor. 
You tithe to Jesus, you tithe to God. You gave God your first invest. And so God will judge those leaders. And he says through the scripture, he'll judge the leaders most harshly. And so you don't have to worry about that pastor or that ministry that went off the rails. You concern yourself with you and your expression of obedience and faith to God. I remember a guy in our previous church, he used to get so mad. When I just used the word tithe, it caused this like reaction. He said, he told me one time after service, if you ever say the word tithe, I won't give. If you call it an offering, I'll give. But if you say tithe, I won't do it. And I'm like, why are you so angry about the word tithe? Tithe just means 10%. That's what it means. God gives us a specific number, 10%. But this rage would come out of this person because of this thing. He said, I'm just, this is what I do. I just go to church and I stick my hand in my pocket and whatever's in there, I put it in the offering plate and then that's what I'll give God. And I'm like, well, there's no intentionality in that. There's no faith in that. There's no preparation of an offering. You know, throughout the Bible, people would work to prepare their offering. They would grow their offering. They would raise that livestock. They would work or trade for that offering. There was intentionality. There was preparation. And then there was some level of value when they gave it in the offering to their God who they were thanking that he gave them the wisdom and the strength to produce that wealth. Are you understanding that? So if you just come to church and all you do is reach in, if there's anything in there, you just throw it in the bucket mindlessly, that's not tithing. That's not giving, even, that's not even worship. That's like just emptying your pockets. There's no intentionality, there's no faith. And tithing really isn't just about the 10%. Tithing is about the heart and way we give that 10%. Because you're giving it as faith. You're giving it as appreciation and honor. You've prepared your heart for it. You are coming and it's already in you. One of the reasons you've come is to present your gift to God. It's not to be taken from you. We're here to minister the offering to you. Are you hearing me, church? To minister that moment where you present your gifts to the Lord. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Malachi, or if you're Italian, the book of Malachi. Come on now. When we get to heaven, we'll know for sure, for real, which, how you say it. Malachi chapter 3. I am the Lord, I do not change. This is verse 6. Would you underline that in your Bible? This is God talking. Amen? Is it God talking? I am the Lord, I do not change. Underline, I do not change. I think that's important because God's the one prophesying through Malachi to declare this. And God is making sure that the people know that this is God talking, not the prophet talking. And God also is establishing that what he's about to say is going to be an eternal thing because he does not change. What he's about to say is like, this is not just for one generation and not another. This is not just something that's gonna go away. This is something that I foresee and desire permanently. I do not change. This is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and you have failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? So they did not even realize that they had stepped outside of God's blessing, that they had stepped outside of obedience and they needed to return. They were unaware that they were off course. They were out of alignment. They were out of order. God speaks, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of tithes and offerings due me. So God is paying attention to us obeying and us giving that first and that best to him. You are under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. It's always important to realize that God uses that tithe to make sure there's enough food, spiritual food, physical food, whatever ministry needs to happen in his house. 
It's meant to help make sure that everything is there to help those that need to be helped throughout the ministry of that house. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Doesn't that sound good? That he'll pour out a blessing so great, say so great, that you won't even have room to contain it. I love that. Try it, he says. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fail from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Tithing means 10%. You can look it up. That's what it simply means. It's not 5%. It's not 2%. It's not a 9%. It's 10. It's not 11. It's not 12. It's 10. It's very specific. God uses the tithe for multiple things. One is to make sure there's enough food in the house, to make sure there's enough abundance to do what needs to be done through his temple, through his congregation to help people. But he also uses it as a test. God uses the tithe. He sets aside, even in the Garden of Eden, my friends, God said, this tree is mine. He chose it. He put his name on it. And he said, don't touch it. It belongs to me. It was a test. God uses these moments to test our faith, to test the purity of our heart, to be tested like a metal is tested. Not tested so much like a test or an exam, but to test the quality and purity of our faith, of our relationship with him. God uses these moments to test us, but then he also uses it for us. This is one of those places in the Bible where God uses this moment to, for us to be able to test God. For us to see the quality of his commitment to us. The quality of his word, the quality of his blessing, the quality of his faithfulness to do what he said he would do. Where he says, you do your part and then test me to see whether or not I'll do my part. Again, this context in chapter 3, the Lord is saying, I don't change. I don't personally believe the tithe was just something for a limited period of time. God is talking about then and now and even the church and the body of Christ to come. He rebukes them. He says that you've robbed me. And they said, how have we robbed you? In verse 8 he says, because you haven't presented your full tithe and offering to me. Something's going on here. Something's out of alignment. Something's out of order here. I also believe it's important that the Bible consistently says the Lord, says the Lord, says the Lord, that God is saying that this is him saying it, him commanding it, not the priests. And then he says that you're walking into this curse. When you, when you do not follow the Lord's command in areas of your life, you step out from underneath the blessing that goes along with that obedience. And you step into this curse that's in the earth. It's not so much that God is cursing you. I don't want you to see that. I want you to hear that. But it's, the world is cursed already. The world has been cursed from the fall of man. Are you understanding that? From the sweat of your brow you have to labor. The, the earth itself isn't naturally producing for you. And yet then God gives us opportunity to obey him and to trust him and to do an expression of faith that this blessing will come upon us that will actually bless us in a way that that curse that was presented at the fall of man doesn't limit you. The earth will produce for you. Isn't that awesome? And it won't be by the sweat of your brow, but it will be by the blessing of God that goes before you. But if you choose to disobey and you don't give God your first and best, you step back into that curse that's already on the land. Are you hearing me, church? This is not God trying to be punitive. This is not God being threatening. It's him saying, you're not taking the lifeboat I'm giving you. You're not taking the resource, the expression of faith I'm giving you to come out of that cursed land, to come out of that cursed system and into a supernatural system. Yeah. Amen. Tithing was meant to be ordinary and expected behavior. It is not exceptional behavior. It's ordinary, expected. It was the norm. Tithe was meant to thank God for your income, for provision, 
It was meant for all of God's people as their way of acknowledging God for his blessings. It was meant that there may be food in his house and that food was something that they would draw from. So it was also for their benefit. You understand the people that gave tithe into the house of the Lord would also draw from that ministry that was being provided in that house. So your tithe actually continues to go back into you and your family. Amen. If you steal it, it will affect you. If you steal from God, it will affect you. The Lord owns it all, but he gives us stewardship over 90% and the first 10% is his. He claims it as his own. I'll say it again. From the very beginning, God has always set aside a portion of something and says, this is mine, leave it for me. And it's a test. Will you touch it or will you leave it for God? Will you take it for yourself or will you say that belongs to God? It's always been on the planet since we were created. Amen. It's the way God wired us up. It's the way things function correctly. Joshua chapter 6, even in taking the promised land, you can write it in your notes. Joshua, I won't read it all to you, but Joshua chapter 6, 7, and 8. Say Joshua 6. 7 and 8. You can go read it. Even when they were going to possess their promised land, they took Jericho. And when they were taking Jericho, do you remember this story? Raise your hand if you remember the story of them taking Jericho. They walked around the city seven times, blew the trumpet, the walls came down, purple slushies were getting thrown at them from the wall by the peas. You remember this story in the Bible, right? It's all there. If you look in the Greek, it's there. Actually, that would be the Aramaic, it's Old Testament. Don't want to steer you wrong. Joshua chapter 6, 7, and 8. God told them, don't touch any of the gold. Don't touch the livestock. Don't take any of it. And what happened was someone did. His name was Achan. Do you remember the story of Achan? Raise your hand if you remember the story of Achan. Achan is this guy that saw some robes that were really nice, and he saw some gold that was really nice, and he kind of took it and he hid it under his tent. And then the next time Israel was going to go take the next city, which was Ai, like spelled literally A-I, Israel was very confident because they were overwhelmingly bigger than that city. And so they only sent like, I don't know, a few thousand people to go take the city because they're like, we don't even need to worry about that. It should be such an easy victory. And the Bible says that when they went to take Ai, Ai defeated Israel. And they, were, they went home dejected, full of sorrow and defeat. And they couldn't understand, why in the world were we not able to take that small little city when we just took Jericho? And God showed them that someone had taken gold, someone had touched the offering from Jericho. And they ended up having to deal with Achan. Him and his whole family were punished and judged for it. And Israel had to get back into alignment. You see, when they were out of alignment, that blessing wasn't working for them. Are you understanding this, church? And they had to get back into alignment for that blessing to begin to work for them again. Where it wasn't just their strength, it wasn't just them, but this supernatural blessing that God had promised them. Here's the deal. When God told them to take Ai, he told them, you can have the gold. You can have the cattle. You can, you can keep that wealth. It goes back to this principle of God wanting the first for himself. See, Jericho was the first city. Say first. Jericho was the first victory. Jericho was the first fruit of the promised land. That's why God said, it's mine. God always wants the first. He wants the best. Are you understanding me, church? It, it wasn't because God needed the money from Jericho. It was that God wanted them to honor him for the victory. God wanted them to express that it was because of you, Lord, that we were able to take Jericho. It wasn't because we were so strong, but it was because you went before us. It was your strategy and it was your strength that gave us Jericho. And this city, with all of its wealth, this first harvest of wealth is yours. We won't touch it. Amen. And then the next cities that they were about to take, they could have harvested all of that because God wasn't worried about that. 
He wasn't, God's not worried anyway. But the point is, God, if they would have fulfilled the first portion, they would have had all the rest under that blessing. But it was because someone touched the first that all of a sudden they were outside of that blessing and that favor going with them. And the only way to restore that was that they would come back into alignment, come back into order. Amen. Tithing is not about do it or God will take his blessing away. That's not why we're talking about the tithe. Tithing is about honor. It's about recognizing God. That's why he's implemented in his church. That we would recognize his strength, his name, his promise, his favor going before us. That's what tithing is about. It's about faith. Say faith. faith. Tithing is about obedience. Say obedience. God is not bringing up tithe to punish his people. Amen. He's bringing it up because he wants them blessed. He wants them successful. And he doesn't want them to forget about him in their success because he's the one who gives you power to get wealth. Are you understanding, church? Tithing predates the law of Moses by about 500 years. I bring that up on purpose. Because so many times people are like, well, tithing was in the law of Moses. No, no, no. Tithing goes back to the Garden of Eden. And tithing goes back to Abraham. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 20, that Melchizedek, which let me pause there real quick, Melchizedek. Who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek is also mentioned in the book of Psalms and he's mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And he's talked about being a king and a priest of the city Salem, which is the city of peace. And so Melchizedek is a type in the Old Testament of Christ in his ministry. Because he's a priest, the Bible says of Jesus, he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek wasn't a priest under the Levitical law because he wasn't a child of Abraham. Are you understanding? Jesus was not born from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. But yet he still is our priest and king. Are you hearing me, church? And so Melchizedek is this type of Jesus in the Old Testament, king of Salem, king and priest of the city of peace, which would later be Jerusalem. And Abraham gives Melchizedek 10% of all he increases in his life. The Bible says Melchizedek, the king of Salem and the priest of God, most high, brought Abram some wine and bread. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. See, there it is. God's blessing went with him and conquered his enemies. And what was Abram's response? Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Abram, when he had a victory, when he had increase, he knew it was the Lord. And his appropriate response was, I will give God 10% of that. That is the Lord's. The book of Galatians calls Abram, Abraham, our spiritual father and example. And our spiritual father and example tithed to a picture, a symbolic version of Jesus in the Old Testament. And we are meant to learn from him and practice those acts of faith. He's our father of faith. Notice Abram didn't tithe because there was a law. He tithed because of gratitude. He tithed out of honor. He tithed because the Lord provided him a victory and that portion belongs to him. It wasn't because he was afraid of breaking the law. He was more full of faith and gratitude than fear of anything. That's tithing. That's our lineage. That's our heritage. That's how the kingdom of works. Amen. Genesis chapter 28, verse 22. And this memorial pillar, I, Jacob, now this is Abraham's grandson, I, Jacob, have set up this pillar, this memorial, this pillar, I, Jacob, have set up, will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. 
This is also before the law of Moses. Moses wasn't even born yet. But here you have Abram, and now you have his grandson expressing honor to God of everything that they increase, of everything they receive, he will give a 10% offering back to God. Where did Jacob learn this? I love this picture because Abraham, one of the reasons Abram was chosen, God says this in the book of Genesis, he says, I choose Abraham. One of the reasons I choose him is because I know he will teach his children to obey me. And here now, not only is tithing in the heart of Abram, but it's so in his family that his grandchildren are tithers. What if churches, bodies of believers, taught their children and their grandchildren to honor God with the first and the best of everything they receive? Then the church would have food in the house to do everything God's called it to do for generations to come. But this hostility towards the idea of the tithe and the hostility towards offerings and things like that. What's it doing? It's defunding the future of the church. Because people aren't embracing it for themselves and then they're not definitely not passing it on to their children. My mom and dad taught me to tithe when I was like five, six years old. And I'm so grateful that I've never known a day in my life that my 10% didn't go to God. As we grew up, I grew up with the tithe being a part of my practice. It's just the way it is. My kids know the same thing. They get paid, whether from outside work that they do, or they get increased from something Maria and I give them, they always write their tithe check. And I'm so proud of them that they believe that God deserves the first and the best. What if we taught our kids and our grandkids to be people that honor God with his portion? There would be an amazing future for the church. But if we're not doing it, how are they going to learn to do it? Amen? Amen, church. Abram, Abraham taught his children and even his grandchildren. And it just kept on going through the generations. Amen. Leviticus. Now we're getting into the people. Coming out of Egypt. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. God speaking. God speaking again. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain of the field, fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. And must be set apart to him as holy. It's very specific. It's not just some random whatever they want to give or whatever. It's a specific amount that God says, this specific portion belongs to me. Don't touch it. It's holy. I call it mine. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 through 2 and 13 through 15. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. So now he's talking about the promised land when he's giving you as a special possession and you have conquered it and settled there, put some of the first produce from each crop you harvest into a basket. Bring it to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. It's all connected. Then you must declare in the presence of the Lord your God, I have taken the sacred gift from my house and I've given it to the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows, just as you have commanded me. I have not violated or forgotten any of your commands. I have not eaten any of it while in mourning. I have not handled it while I was ceremonially unclean. I have not offered it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God and have done everything you commanded me. Now look down from your holy dwelling place in heaven, bless your people Israel, and the land you swore to our ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Notice that there was this intentional gathering and setting aside of the Lord's portion. Then there was the practice of taking that and bringing it to the place where God is to be worshipped, where he bears his name, presenting it to the priests. And after doing that, after setting aside God's portion and then bringing it into the house of worship where it's meant to be given, then there was this expectation that they could ask great things of God. That they could say, God, now bless Israel. Now bless, like you said you would, bless us for being faithful to do what you've commanded us to do with your portion. You might sit there and say, did Jesus talk about the tithe? Because that's all Old Testament. Did Jesus ever bring up the tithe? What was his view? What was Jesus Christ's opinion? By the way, Jesus is God. Can I get an amen? 
So he shouldn't contradict God's will. Amen. So what was Jesus' thoughts? What was Jesus' perspective with the tithe? Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees? You hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Like they're super specific on making sure all that tithe is happening, all that tithe is God's. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, such as justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus' response. You should tithe. And then he says, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. In that verse, Jesus is not saying you don't need to tithe, just focus on justice and mercy. What he's saying is tithing is expected. Tithing is the minimum. It should be done. But don't exchange just tithing for not living righteously, practicing mercy, and pursuing justice. Are you understanding? So the other thing is, don't just write God a check and neglect the way you live in other ways. It's all important. He wasn't saying do away with the tithe. He was saying that's expected. That's the minimum. You've been doing that since the Garden of Eden. You've been doing that since Abram. Don't sit there and pat yourself on the back. Remember, that's expected. That's minimum. Tithe, yes, but also live and develop in righteousness, justice, mercy, faith, and all these other areas of growth. Amen. Throughout the scriptures, when revival broke out, when hearts began to repent and come back to God, you can see this again and again. Test it out, please. I'm not here to make anyone do anything. I can't make you do anything. You make decisions. And then you, from your heart's beliefs, will live out those decisions. All I can do is be like wisdom on the street corner calling out, like the book of Proverbs, and say, consider this, consider this, consider this. My challenge to you is take information about the tithe and go study it out. And don't just get information from people who don't want to tithe. <laughs> Spend some time with other people who do tithe and ask them, why do you tithe? Amen. It's really good preaching, Pastor Kevin. I know. That's why I said it. But moves of God, moves of God throughout the Bible, when nations came back to God, when Israel would come back to God, when they were off the rails and they were worshiping other gods, whenever they got realigned, whenever, whenever God got them back into order again, one of the first things they did as a nation was tithe. You can see it in Nehemiah. You can see it, what I'm about to read to you in Chronicles, repeatedly in Chronicles. Because the people knew that they needed to honor God with that first and best portion. That was one of their physical expressions of being back into order, back into alignment again. Here, Hezekiah, in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 31, this story of Hezekiah, he is having an awakening for Israel. Something's going on in his heart. He's bringing the people back into alignment. He's bringing the people back into order with God. They're rereading the law that they haven't read in years and they hadn't obeyed in years. And they're coming back with a heart after God. And this is how it all comes together and how it expresses itself in a move of God. See, it wasn't just a move of God in worship. It wasn't just a move of God and people wanted to pray or people wanted to go to church. There was also a move of God back to honoring him with the fruit of their hands. In addition, he required, Hezekiah required the people in Israel to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and the Levites. See, he's calling the people back into alignment so they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. When the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing the first share of their grain, their new wine, their olive oil, their honey, and all the produce of the fields. They brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. The people who had moved to Judah from Israel and the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, of their sheep, of their goats, and a tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them up in great heaps. Great heaps. That's something to see. They began piling them up in late spring, and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn. Like they just kept bringing it for months. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people Israel. Where did this come from, Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites. 
And Azariah, the high priest from the family of Zodak, replied, Since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. The Lord has blessed his people, and this is all that's left over. Could you imagine if the whole body of churches, if people brought their tithe, there would always be enough and plenty left over? How many churches struggle needlessly because simply the people don't bring what's expected? Because if we would, there is more than enough to have plenty and even more left over to grow and do even more. Are you understanding that, church? But churches limp by because we stop preaching this principle. And all of a sudden, there's not enough and there's not plenty. And scarcity begins to abound. And all of these things begin to shrink the influence and potential of what churches can produce and what the kingdom of God can produce through us. Remember, Malachi talked about the tithe that there may be food in my house. How does it get there? Through the people's tithe, through their faithful giving. Amen? Amen. You know, you ask yourself the question, do you enjoy the spiritual food you receive when you come into the house of worship? Do you enjoy eating from the table? Right? Do you enjoy that spiritual food? Do you enjoy the ministry that your children and your youth and that you receive when you come to any house of worship? I do. But you understand that someone's tithe made that possible. Someone's tithe made that possible. It wasn't people's little tips that made that ministry possible. It wasn't their little, I'll pull whatever out of my pocket and throw it in the bucket. For thousands of years, the ministry being provided in the houses of worship across the world, truly those houses remain or have been there to serve people because of the faithful people that set aside their first and their best to make sure that church had what it needed to continue. I really believe, whether you're a tither or not, if you ever meet a tither, which by the way, they shouldn't be super rare. It's not like seeing a Bigfoot sighting. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I saw a tither today. Really? What did it look like? It was like a shadow. It was like a, it was, it was running through the woods and I just saw a quick glimpse. They sh- we shouldn't be rare. But if you are to meet a tither, we should thank them because of their faithfulness or and even maybe their parents' and grandparents' faithfulness Ministry and churches have been built. Christian schools have been built. Missionaries have been sent. Bibles have been printed. Are you understanding this, church? You can say, well, we all gave little bits here and there. Little bits here and there. It's, it's awesome. Praise God for the little bits. But it's genuinely those people that have committed themselves year after year when there was lean times and there was abundant times, but they always gave God their first and best. That's the group that has carried the kingdom through ministry over the years. Amen. Pastor Robert Morris in the book, The Blessed Life, we talked about it last week, which we, by the way, thank you. Many of you purchased that book. I think that's great. But he says in the book, he says, over the years, he's consistently heard from tithers that they're so blessed. Tithers love tithing. We believe in it. And we hold it before God and we honor our tithe with God. And then we also say, Lord, you've promised. And we're able to stand on those promises. Tithers always say, I'm so glad that I've become a tither. That somewhere in my life, we began to honor God with the first and the best. Non-tithers, he says, have always said this. I can't afford to tithe. Can't afford to tithe. Here's the truth. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Think about it for a minute. Yeah. The truth is, all of us can afford to tithe, and here's why. It's mathematically impossible that you cannot afford to tithe. Here's why. Because the first 10% belongs to God. Not the last 10%. If the tithe is the first thing you do when you get paid, you will always have money to tithe. If you wait till the last thing you do, The devil will make sure you don't have enough to tithe. Are you understanding, church? You always have the tithe because the tithe is the first and the best. Because it's the Lord's. Amen. So we always have the tithe. The the truth is what are we going to do with that? Amen. Now there may be other things along the way that we 
aren't able to do for a portion or a time. Maybe there's a certain thing we can't purchase. Maybe there's a certain trip we can't take. Maybe there's a certain comfort we have to do without. And that's not a bad thing sometimes to, to sacrifice a little bit in order to obey God. It's not a bad thing. But give God time. Give God, because he's working something out in us. It's, it's never because of he's being impunitive. There's sometimes he's just working some stuff out with us. That blessing will overtake you. Amen. It just will. He promised that the windows of heaven would pour out a blessing bigger than you can receive. But the truth is we always have the tithe when it's the first. You always have the tithe when it's the first. Jesus said, I'm going away and I will return. Take care of my bride while I'm gone. That 10% that God is asking for, commanding, is taking care of the needs of the Lord's bride. Are you understanding that? What if we saw the tithe as taking care of the Lord's bride, intending to her to make sure she has what she needs in order to be what she's supposed to be until the Lord returns? Tithing is a generational blessing that we can pass down to our children and our grandchildren, making sure they, that the house will be filled with food in the future. Tithing doesn't get you into heaven. I want to say that clearly. Tithing doesn't get you into heaven. But tithing will help a lot of other people get into heaven. Amen. So here's your, your action. Renew your faith and obedience with the Lord's tithe. Decide to genuinely look into it and make a quality decision. Do not just listen to those who don't tithe. Spend some time with people who are tithing and ask them why they tithe and if they're glad they do. If you're really going to seek it out, if you're really going to see whether or not it's something you're going to do, then make a quality decision on it and find out why someone ties and are they glad they do. Spend some time hearing that. Today, that's the word of the Lord for you today. You might say, but I wanted to hear this and I wanted to hear this. But maybe God is just realigning all of these things because he's trying to help you get back into order that those blessings that you're really hoping for will begin to flow through your life the way you want them to. Would you stand and let's close in a word of prayer. Would you give God praise for his word this morning? Amen. And I really do mean this. I really do mean this. Whenever we talk about tithing and offerings, I really want us to have that celebration spirit because we have an understanding of these tithes and offerings. We have an understanding of that moment. May we never be afraid to celebrate when it's time to bring our gifts to God. Let's pray this into your life. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you, you want us to live a blessed life and you've even given us strategies and habits and things that make sure year after year that we don't veer off of honoring you and keeping you first in our lives. I pray God you begin to speak to each one of us about our own personal relationship with our finances and how we honor you with them. God, if people have questions or thoughts, I pray, God, you lead them to your answers and that you lead them to individuals that they can trust and talk. And that, God, as their hearts begin to awaken or begin, faith begins to rise, if they step out in that area of tithing and giving, that, God, you would completely meet them. Signs follow your word, and we thank you to see signs follow this word today. I give you thanks and praise for this house. I give you thanks and praise for the future of where we're going. And Lord, we do thank you that there's enough food in this house and plenty left over. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name, amen. One more time, just give God thanks. All right, church, before I dismiss you, I wanna give people an opportunity to receive Jesus as their savior. If you could just pause your moving around just for the next 30 seconds, because I wanna give individuals an opportunity to receive Jesus. The Bible says this, it says that the wages of sin is death. Separation from God, even hell actually. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible goes on to say that if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. We all need a savior, amen? And it's as simple as calling on the name of Jesus Christ to be your Lord and savior. And so today, if you're not right with God for any reason or another, I wanna give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes just for the next minute or two. Say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I ever asked Jesus to be my savior and my Lord.
people, when I count to three today, you can raise your hand and we'll pray for you right at your seat. And you can receive him as your Lord and Savior, forgive you of your sins, save you from hell, save you from eternal death, save you into eternal life, save you into the kingdom and family of God. Or you may say, I used to have a relationship with the Lord, but if I was honest, I'm pretty far away from God right now. And I would like to recommit my life to Jesus today. When I count to three, you simply raise your hand where you are as well. And we will be honored to lead you in a prayer. So let's go ahead and give you that opportunity. You've never given your life to the Lord or you want to recommit your life to the Lord. When I count to three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? You need to get right with God for one reason or another. Don't leave this place out of relationship with him. Just put your hand up and we will pray for you. I don't see a hand this morning, but here's what we're gonna, oh, there's a hand, awesome, I see your hand. There we go, thank you, praise God. Let's celebrate, even the one, praise God. One sheep, one sheep comes home. There is a party in heaven. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and pray a prayer together, and even those watching online, let's pray this prayer together, would you please? Let's all bow our heads and let's pray this together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned, and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate that. Praise God. Welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.